Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where I open up my family room so that we can talk about the week's lessons from Come Follow Me. I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar, far from. I'm just your average Latter-day Saint seeking to grow my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures. I have found that one of the best ways to do that is by discussing Come Follow Me with others. My hope is that you'll join in the gospel dialogue by sharing what you learn with others. Without further ado, let's start this family room discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode 6, following along with Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, Genesis 6-11 through 11 and Moses 8. We, uh, we did Come Follow Me today with our kids, and um, because I always study a week ahead so that I can prepare for the podcast, uh, sometimes, I last week kind of forgot that as a family we, we do things on time, <laughs> so I jumped ahead, which then forced today uh, Lex to have to jump ahead. So, so we actually did the come follow me with our kids for this lesson, which is kind of perfect though, because, uh, what we, Lex had done some printable, um, like coloring sheets, right. Of Noah's Ark and had some animals on it and stuff. And then as the kids were coloring, we then told the story of, uh, of Noah and his family and explained some of the basic themes to them and, and whatnot. And Flynn, both my kids are, I know I have three kids, but two of them talk so the two kids that talk are very much into animals and they love learning about animals, Flynn in particular, but Maggie too. And uh, so we were asking them as we were going through and talking about how the animals were brought on, you know, two by two and explaining that. Lex was like, what, what's your favorite animal, Flynn? And he was like, snakes, which we, we know because he's super fascinated by snakes and everything and always wants to watch a snake video. And then we turned to uh, Mags and, and asked her what her favorite animal is and she said Elsa bear and to explain what an Elsa bear is she has a build-a-bear that um, my parents took and, and did with her one night for a fun activity and it's it's Elsa it's the Elsa themed kind of polar bear they have and she calls it her Elsa bear so it was a pretty funny moment for us because it's like Flynn what's your favorite animal snakes and raccoons and Mags what's yours Elsa bear and we and you know we were like yep that was probably on the ark too so that just, that was just a funny story I wanted to share because I thought that was super cute. Obviously, it was cuter if you could see, <laughs> you know, her saying it, not me saying it. But, hey, now you know. So let's get into the introduction of this lesson. Generations of Bible readers have been inspired by the story of Noah and the flood. But we who live in the latter days have special reason to pay attention to it. When Jesus Christ taught how we should watch for his second coming, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be also at the coming of the Son of Man. In addition, phrases that describe Noah's day like corrupt and filled with violence could just as easily be describing our time. The story of the Tower of Babel also feels applicable to our day, with its description of pride followed by confusion and division among God's children. These ancient accounts are valuable not just because they show us that wickedness repeats itself throughout history. More important, they teach us what to do about it. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, despite the wickedness around him, and the families of Jared and his brother turned to the Lord, and were led away from the wickedness in Babel. If we wonder how to keep ourselves and our family safe during our own time of corruption and violence, the familiar stories in these chapters have much to teach us. Again, I'm going to just say it's interesting the fact that the Old Testament time also covers Book of Mormon time, and I forget to think that. It's, it's almost like I'm more apt to think of it as the New Testament, but it really covers both Old Testament and New Testament, especially because we have the, uh, the Book of Ether. So I thought, I, I just, you know, really interesting when you put it into perspective. I'd almost actually wonder, 
um, I don't know if you're a fan of the Marvel movies, but in my household, we certainly are. And we have done where we watched it chronologically, right? Um, not the way they came out, but the order in which technically the story plays together. I wonder if it would be an interesting kind of uh, thing to do with all the scriptures. Put the scriptures in chronological order and then read them. It'd be kind of confusing, especially because uh, bits of the scripture obviously cover the same period of time, especially like we have the book of Moses and the book of Abraham, which covers obviously Genesis. And uh, that could just be an interesting activity. You'd have to put Ether in there, which would then you're jumping to the book of Mormon. Just something I was thinking about. I think it would be a cool activity to try it. Maybe someone's done it. Maybe one day I'll try it. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, the one thing I did really like from this introduction, though, speaking of phrases that describe Noah's day like corrupt and filled with violence, could just as easily describing our team. I think that's 100% true. I did a quick scan of social media when I read through this lesson, uh, both social media and then the news, and literally did not take me longer than, it was like less than a minute, and I was able to find countless examples of evil being called good, good being called evil, um, just kind of the the corruption and the confusion in the world, uh, news stories that are covering uh, topics that I would, I would classify, and I believe by the Lord's standard would classify as evil, and yet... Um, has a media spin on it to make it where it's 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 not a as bad of a thing. It's not as wicked as it sounds. It's just it's it's complicated, right? And I think that's exactly what Satan's plan is. His plan is to uh, to twist things and ultimately to actually make good people scared to speak righteousness. And um, I think we're seeing that in our time. I know I definitely feel that where I want to be bold and I want to speak strongly of the Lord's standard, and yet uh, you know there's times we're doing so. I worry could get me fired if like I posted something on social media and, and then that gets back to my employer and it's an unpopular opinion. And, uh, so not that, not that every good, strong, uh, thing needs to be shared necessarily. Obviously there's tactful ways to do it. Um, but certainly we live in a time where it can be, it can be quite scary to want to share the truth and to want to, to be bold about God's standards. It's, it's not popular in the world. So with that, how then, uh, because the introduction says that these scriptures that we read teach us not just about the wickedness, but teaches us how to overcome it. And the section we, I want to focus on talk, tackling that, I think, is section one. There is spiritual safety in following the Lord's prophet. I think that's the most important thing I could share uh, this week. And I think this Noah's story in particular is a great one to share. And so, uh, let me just read. I want to read the section itself. It says, Thanks to the restored gospel, we know a lot more about Noah than what is found in the Old Testament. Joseph Smith's inspired translation of Genesis 6, found in Moses 8, reveals that Noah was one of God's great prophets. He was ordained and sent forth to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He walked and talked with God, and he was chosen to reestablish God's children on the earth after the flood. What do you learn about prophets from Noah's experience? Um... So there's one verse actually in particular that I think helps helps me with this, especially, excuse me, with prophets. And it's in Moses 8, verse 27. It says, And thus Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, for Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And he walked with God, as did also his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Um, or Japheth, I don't, I don't know the pronunciation there, but I, th I think it's Japheth. That sounds better to me. I like that. Um, as I was thinking about this, this scripture, it, something stuck out to me that we, we know, obviously, in, in our 
current dispensation that we've had prophets. Joseph Smith was the prophet of the Restoration, and we've had prophets ever since. Our current prophet is President Russell M. Nelson. And um, there's been an order established. It's, it's not confusing. There's no question on who the next prophet will be. Um, there's, there's order to God's kingdom. And, uh, and, and that's lovely. And part of that order, I think that's important to recognize, especially for us, is that God does not pick random people to be his prophet. It's not um, Joe Schmo off the street. It's someone that has been prepared their entire life to be able to, to have that mantle and to hold that mantle. It's not something where it's a um, pecking order. It's not you don't climb the ladder in the church. And if you just be super righteous and super obedient and you, be, you become, you know, the, the deacon president, the teacher president, the, pre, the assistant to the bishop, one day become the bishop, stake president, on and on and on, right up. You don't climb a ladder. That's not how it works in our church. But God does pick people. He does pick individuals who live worthily and, and live a righteous life. One that um, is a person who's able to be followed right? He, he picks good examples. He doesn't pick someone who has this really like dark past. Louise, I have not met a prophet who, who had a dark past. I guess if we were going to go scripture examples, we could say Saul maybe, um, Alma the Younger certainly. But in our generation, in our time, um, it's, it's, it's men who have been stalwart people throughout their lives and who have learned obviously how to use the atonement. They're not perfect, I don't think they claim to be perfect, and, and I certainly wouldn't say they're perfect. But Noah and his sons are the perfect example here to say that, that there is a lot of preparation and work that goes into who is to, to lead, and they live worthy lives because we need to be able to follow them and trust them that they truly will listen to the Lord because the prophet is God's mouthpiece. And, and so we need to be able, as as followers of Christ, as his disciples, as we look to, because there's order in God's kingdom, so he only has one prophet on the earth, we need to be able to trust that person to actually receive the wisdom and counsel from God to be able to deliver that to the world. It would be very difficult to trust someone who doesn't have a history of being trustworthy, stalwart, uh, upstanding. And so we can have great trust as we look at the lives of our prophets and recognize that there has not been a single prophet who who hasn't done that, certainly not in the, in the restored gospel, and so, uh, or or excuse me, in the restoration in our days. So, with that trust, then the question is, uh, what are the prophets teaching today about the gospel of Jesus Christ that could keep us safe in the world today? And President Nelson, just in, in the most recent general conference, I went through his three addresses. Um, he, his three talks were pure truth, pure doctrine, and pure revelation, uh, the temple and your spiritual foundation. And then his last talk was make time for the Lord. In the first talk, he, he warned us about the dangers of moral relativism, agnosticism, um, explaining how important it is. He, he, I mean, one of the great quotes he said, I didn't, I didn't write this down. I don't have it up. Uh, but it was essentially, it was that there is such a thing as, pure truth. There, there truly is truth. We don't have to question, you know, does it exist? And, and again, the, this moral relativism that seems to be so prevalent. I have a dear friend actually who, um, he grew up a member and 
in his teenage years kind of had some some tough things, I guess, some some bad experiences with the church. And it led him to quite kind of question everything and didn't know where to turn. And now that he's, you know, becoming a man, going growing up, uh, his prefrontal cortex is starting to finish developing, I guess. He's still in this kind of limbo where if you ask him what is truth, his answer is essentially, well, I think a lot of things could be true. There's there is it even possible for us to be able to find such a thing as pure truth? I don't need to question that because I have faith in the prophet and I have faith, uh, obviously, in the scriptures, I have faith in the gospel. And that is a huge piece for me that I have answers. And I have, you know, in fairness, that also brings a lot of questions for me as well, which is, for me, someone who loves to study and learn and grow that way, I love that. I love that when I find find an answer to my question, it opens up three more questions. And that puts me down a path of being able to ask. So... I love the fact that President Nelson was so bold in saying there is such a thing as pure truth because that is missing in the world today. And because we have a prophet, we don't need to question if there is. And we know the sources to be able to find it. He also taught us to strengthen our foundation against the chaos and destruction that's happening in the world. And by having a strong foundation, especially as we uh, make time to attend the temples, and he really you know, counseled us to be able to spend time in the temples now that they're opening up more and more. And uh, even though there's some COVID regulations with it, we still have the opportunity to go and we should go. And Lex and I were able to to make time earlier this month and I'm so glad we did. And we talked about how, how important that was for both us individually and for our marriage to, to remind ourselves of the covenants we made when we were sealed in the temple and to be able to uh, do a, a proxy sealing session. You know, that was really important to us. And then he concluded by making time for the Lord. Such a simple easy statement, but do we, do we make time for the Lord in our day? I think about this all the time. And I think there's, you know, I've been getting better. I've been getting better at doing it and really been trying to implement and practice that. And as I do, I see such blessings in my life, in my week, things really do start to, the stresses that seem to be overbearing and just so burdensome seem to, to, you know, work themselves out. As I put the Lord first and as I make time to have that relationship, as I really talk to him and then listen, that's the that's the tough part, you know, making time to listen. But as I do that, I receive wisdom that was definitely not there before. And there's things that I've, you know, questions I've been struggling with, not necessarily spiritually, but in like my career, uh, ways to help my family, those types of questions that I just didn't make time to get answers from the Lord. And as, I, as I've done that, it's amazing how quickly he's like, Dalton, this is the answer. I'm like, oh, it's so simple. It was right before me and I just didn't see it. So um, those instructions from the prophet to me were invaluable because he was able to help bring into focus the things that I had felt but wasn't prioritizing. And that's huge for me. So as I thought this week about have what having a prophet means to me, what knowing, having a testimony that President Nelson is a true prophet of God, uh, a, a story kind of got brought up from Sunday school that I think was brilliant. This really puts it all together for me of, of why it is so important that we both, that we, number one, we have a prophet, and two, we have a testimony and listen to him. Um, so I remember when Come Follow Me was announced, this, I had to look this up, but it was announced on July 6th, uh, 2018 which is kind of crazy to think about now that's 2022. But I remember that was announced, and I've said this before on the on the podcast, that I was not a fan of the Come Follow Me format. I remember being very critical 
uh, at Sunday dinner with my family talking about how I was like, I am not a fan of this new curriculum. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the change because I was studying at home. I was doing what the the prior format was and I was already, I was already doing that. So I was like, it's just, it just feels like this new thing. And, and I'm, I'm not actually uh, opposed to change at all. I just felt like, I was like, I liked the format. I really love studying from the teachings of the prophets, you know? And it's funny because not that that had to change, but I knew that once we changed and, and shifted, I would, prioritize the new stuff, which is, which is true. I don't think I've picked up a Teachings of the Prophets book since we changed to Come Follow Me, which is fine. Um, but I, I remember being sad. And a quote from the First Presidency about when they made the release and made the reasons for the change, they said, for years, church leaders have been emphasizing that that home is the best place to live, learn, and teach the gospel. And gospel learning and teaching should be part of our daily lives, not confined to Sunday classes. Um, okay, so now let's jump forward to, it was about 18 months later, I guess, maybe 20 months later, right? It's March 2020, maybe April. I can't remember if it was March or April. I remember things started going down in March, but this, these changes might not have taken place till like April or May. But 2020 and COVID shuts life down. And I remember we couldn't go to church in person. Um, we weren't able to visit in person. Couldn't, most workplaces shut down, couldn't go out, couldn't go anywhere. We had to stay at home, mask up, uh, socially distance, all of the things that have become so common now. Um, but I remember life shutting down. It was only two years ago. It feels like it was you know, a couple months ago. Or it feels like a lifetime, depending on the day. <laughs> but like, we had a whole year in a couple months, honestly, to be able to prepare and learn to make the adjustment to come follow me, this at-home teaching, which has now become the norm. It's become something that like, we had to do. We were going to have to do it anyway. And so as I thought about that, like I have the question, do you think that it was coincidence that come follow me came out? Because I'm telling you it, it was not coincidence. It, I know that the that our prophet, and, and the, uh, his counselors and the apostles, they were inspired. Now, do I think that they knew COVID was coming? I don't. I don't. Could they have? Of course. Do I think that that's like the Lord gave them a heads up on it? No, I don't. But I do know that they were inspired and they listened to what the Lord said because, because they didn't need to know that COVID was coming. They just needed to listen to the Lord's counsel that they needed to make changes and they needed to make them quick. And they did. And because of those changes, because we've listened and taken that counsel into our lives and listened to the prophet, we were able to make that adjustment a whole year um, so that it really wasn't that much of a disruption when it came to church. Yes, it was devastating to not be able to take the sacrament for a little. And then they, of course, uh, announced that we were, you know, if you had priesthood in the home, then you would be able to uh, be authorized. Those priesthood holders, holders of the priest, excuse me, would be able, would be authorized to be able to administer the sacrament. Those that wouldn't then arrangements could be made uh, so that everyone could be able to partake of the sacrament each week. And it was it was just, a, you know, so cool that with all the chaos that was happening in the world, there was a lot of order when it came to the church and how we functioned. Yeah, there was still some, you know, some ups and downs, of course, but there was a lot of order. And that, to me, was a great period of time to recognize that when it comes to the actual second coming, all the things that are uh, prophesied and destined to happen. If we are close to the Lord and if we are listening to the prophet, 
yeah, things are going to get uncomfortable. And yeah, I think times are going to get tough. But there is some safety and some refuge because of the church, um, because that we have a prophet who we can listen to and who is receiving direct guidance from God. We can trust and have full faith that we will be able to be led through that time, just like the children of Israel with Moses. And honestly, we could take any prophet, uh, take Enoch, right, and, and the city of Zion. As we listen to the prophet and truly follow his counsel, we will have that safety and peace. And I think that we really do have such a, a recent experience to be able to look back and, and watch how it unfolded and how it still affects our lives now. Um, that I just have such a testimony that President Nelson is on the watchtower. He is seeing things and and he is giving us the counsel. And it's up to us then to listen, right? He he can he can share the news from the pulpit and he's been utilizing social media. Uh, we've heard from him a lot more than just a general conference. And so it's really up to us. Are we going to are we going to listen to the prophet? Are we going to have faith in him? And, you know, I think there are going to be things that might be revealed that may be hard for some of us to bear. Uh, I, I have no idea what those could be. I just know that, that, like I said, come follow me, ironically, was a tough thing for me to have to bear, even though it was very minor. But I promise that as we act in faith, we will be able to see the wisdom that the, the prophet is sharing through Revelation. Um. Then I know that that is a testimony that we all need to be able to have if we're to have safety and peace in the coming days. And if the people during Noah's time would have listened to his warnings and his counsel, um, they would have been able to be safe from the floods that came. While we are promised that we will not deal with floods in our day, uh, at least not of the proportion that Noah and the people during that time had to deal with, there are spiritual floods in our life that we certainly need that protection from. And I think that's what I learned and really pondered this week is what are the floods that the prophet is seeing that I can't see, or the rains, I should say, that are coming, uh, the storms of life that I cannot see from my 28 years of experience and my limited view and scope of, of where I'm at. What can't I see that he is able to see and what counsel is he giving me that I need to listen to even if I don't understand? And so I leave this question with you. How are you going to direct your attention to the Lord's mouthpiece, the prophet, and listen to the message that he has for you. Thanks for joining me in my family room discussion. And until we meet again, have a blessed week.